Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Read. Uh, we're in a series, and I. It, this has been an impromptu series. Really, uh, we are in the middle of 40 days of fasting and prayer. This is our last week. Hopefully, you've been praying and fasting with us. And we're not asking you to fast 40 days and not eat anything. Um, but we are asking you to join us in some way in prayer and fasting. I, y'all, I can't wait till next week when I can eat a steak. Because uh, I could eat the hind legs of an African water buffalo right now if it walked in front of us. But you've been fasting and praying with us. And I really believe fasting and prayer changes things. I know prayer changes things. I know prayer is a powerful thing. But I want to read this passage of scripture. It's kind of the theme scripture uh, to this mini-series that I'm doing but it just began to speak to me as we would pray each morning. Uh, the Lord just began to speak to me about some passages of Scripture on prayer. And it's a lost, it is a lost desire and art in the body of Christ. M- many Christians don't pray. They say 9% of Christians pray. And, uh, and, that's, and that is just uh, amazing to me. And even a, 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 a smaller uh, statistic is that... Uh, uh, I read in David Barton's book, he said that 3% of Christians have read the Bible through. Only 3% of Christians have read the Bible through. Did you know that all the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, every one of them had read the Bible through many times? Isn't that amazing to know that? And, uh, and so uh, Benjamin Rush had read the Bible uh, once through every year of his life that he could remember, uh, who is the father of the public schools, Benjamin Rush. We don't hear about many of our founding fathers because uh, our nation, some parts of our nation are trying to erase history. But how I many know you can't erase God's history? And, uh, uh, but prayer is a powerful thing. In these verses of scripture in, first, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, it begins by saying, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Isn't that a powerful scripture? I mean, believe God answers prayer. And God does answer prayer. Many of you uh, know that God answers prayer. And you know, uh, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, uh, which is a paraphrase of the Bible version of the message, he has a powerful testimony. Matter of fact, um, he, he tells this testimony in his autobiography. And, uh, uh, and he, he says that when he was a young guy, uh, that he grew up in a very devout Christian home. And uh, his mother would pray over him each day. His mother would always read the scripture to him. And one of the things that she always said to him that he always remembered is she said to him, she said, Eugene, always remember to bless those that persecute you, to love your enemies, and always turn the other cheek. How many know that's good advice, right? That's good advice. Well, while Eugene, he tells the story that while he was in elementary school, uh, he went to uh, a school that was kind of anti-God. It wasn't a Christian school. And uh, he had a... he had a, a young man that went to school there that became a bully to him. His name was Garrison Johns. And Garrison Johns would always make fun of Eugene Peterson of the fact that he was a Christian. Matter of fact, he called him a Jesus sissy. And uh, how many know there ain't no Jesus sissies? How many know you can't be a sissy and live for the kingdom of God? And so, uh, uh, and sometimes he would meet him and pick on him and beat him up. He said one day while he was walking with six of his friends, uh, here come Garrison, and he was coming, and he began to pick on him again, began to just make fun of him and embarrass him in front of his friends and began to just continue to pick on him. And he said that, that out of the moment, he don't even know why he did it. He said he, it, it happened in such a, uh, a, a moment that he forgot everything that his mama taught him about turning the other cheek, loving your enemies. And he said that he grabbed the bully by the shirt and threw him on the ground. And he realized in his mind, he said, I thought in my mind, I'm stronger than the bully. And then he jumped on top of his chest and put his arms back and put his knees on his arms. 
And before, I mean, he said all this happened and, and just like that. He, he just snapped. You don't even know why he did it. He said he just had enough. How many of you know that sometimes the devil can mess with you enough? You just say, I had enough. And he threw him on the ground. He sat on him and he began to punch him in the face. He said, and as he punched him in the face and uh, he began to just uh, punch him in the face, he could hear the words of his mother. And, uh, and as he hit him, blood began to protrude out of his nose. And, and he said it was a beautiful crimson sight in the snow that day. <laughs> he said, but all, his, all of his, the words his mother spoke just kind of left his mind at the time. And he said, all of a sudden, uh, I, I began to say the garrison. I said, say uncle, say uncle. And he wouldn't say uncle. He said, then my Christian training came back into me. And he said, and I hit him again, and more blood came out. And he said, then I said to him, say, Jesus is Lord. And he wouldn't say it, and he punched him again. He said, say, Jesus is Lord of my life. And finally, after he had hit him a few times, finally Garrison said, Jesus is Lord of my life. And he said, that was my first Christian convert that I ever had. How many know that's probably not the way to do evangelism? <laughs> that's probably not the, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes it's a problem sometimes when we assert ourselves into God's activity into our lives. When we begin to sometimes, uh, uh, there are times that uh, when things happen in our lives that sometimes uh, we, we distort God sometimes and our prayer more than, than any other aspect of our life. Matter of fact, many of us, you, all of us have filled prayer cards out and have prayer needs, and we've filled prayer cards out. We've, we've filled them out. Many times we feel like, sometimes we, we put a prayer request in, and we put it in, and we know that God knows it and that God heard, heard it, but sometimes what happens is, in our prayer card, many times we, we, we kinda, we're kind of like Garrison John's we kind of want to hold God down and hold God hostage to our prayer request. And sometimes we want to interject and, 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 and we say things to God like, God, I'm not going to serve you if you don't answer that prayer. Or I'm not going to go to church. Or I'm going to stop, or I'm going to stop reading my Bible if you don't answer that prayer. And sometimes what happens is, is, that, is that we try to hold God hostage. And what happens is when we do that, what we begin to do is distort God's uh, prayer, our, our prayer life and distort what God wants to do in our life. And I truly believe that as the, as the, the, the screen says, prayer is the element of change in our life. It is the missing element of change that is in our life. It is the missing element that change can take place in our life. If Satan can get you to the, can't get you to deny Christ, he will get you to distort who Christ is. And many times, he tries to get us to distort the nature of God and how God is. Um, I asked some guys this week as I was studying for this message and preparing for this message, I texted a couple of guys uh, who are a little bit smarter than I am. And I asked them this question. I said, guys, I said, I want to ask you all a question. I said, what would happen on the, uh, on the scientific uh, periodic table if, if, if any of the elements were missing out of the periodic table? What would happen if all of a sudden an element or two was removed out of the periodic table? And we all, those of you that know science and biology, you know how important the elements are to uh, uh, our, you know, matter and, and the earth and how important they are. And I asked them that question. I said, what would happen if, if, if certain things would just disappear out of the periodic table. Some of them said, they said for us to rethink, we'd have to rethink everything about the composition of matter. One said that the, if, if they were the lower numbers on the periodic table, it could do uh, 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 incredible damage. And, and some of them would say that it would lead us to question the composition and, and talk about... Uh, a, any particular element that was that was missing, that if it was if it was one of the lower elements or one of the higher elements, some of those elements will appear but only be there for a short time, and then they then they decay, 
And, but if it was a higher element, one of the higher atomic elements, then, what, then, then they would disappear, but one of the lower winds would even have a greater effect. They said this to me. They said if one of the lower atomic number elements were suddenly removed, not only would we have to reconsider what we thought we knew, we may not even be around to reconsider it. Did you ever think about if one of the elements out of the, out of the periodic tables was removed, what would happen to society, what would happen to the earth, what would happen to, to our surroundings? We may not even be here uh, uh, to even, even, even uh, talk about it. Why? It would have a profound effect on the body and a profound effect on human life. If you remove prayer out of the element of the Christian life, you, that's like removing one of the elements out of the periodic table. It could be irreparably dangerous to the Christian life. That's how important prayer is in the Christian's life. Because it is the element of prayer, matter of fact, you could not have a Christian life without prayer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't have a Christian. If you don't pray, you are missing everything that God has for you and much more for your life. You're missing so much in what God has. You cease to exist, they say. You would cease to exist to the point where you would not be here. And that's how it is in most Christians' life. You have ceased to exist spiritually because you have no relationship with God through prayer. But I'm here to tell you that prayer is an element that can bring change into the Christian's life. And understand that it's more than just filling a prayer card out. Making our requests known to God and, and filling this prayer card out. But I've always wondered how God and, and, and the nature of how God has answered prayer. If you've ever had answered prayer in your life... You, you, you look back, when the prayer is answered, you look back and you think about the way God answered that prayer. And sometimes you scratch your head and say, God, did I really have to go through all of that in order to get an answered prayer? Am I the only one that's ever had that question with God? But you know in the New Testament, there is a prayer. I found the prayer and I traced that prayer through the New Testament because I wanted us to see that prayer in its inception, and then how God had fulfilled and completed that prayer. And so I tracked that through the New Testament. And so I want you to take a look at that with me and look at Acts chapter 19 and verse 21. In Acts chapter 19, I want you to see a prayer that the Apostle Paul had prayed. And then we're going to track that prayer through the New Testament. Because I want you to see some things about the importance that prayer is an element of change. Now, hang with me because I am going somewhere with this. If you were here Thursday, we talked about the prayer and, and, and the element of change. We talked about the importance of prayer. We talked about spontaneous prayer. We talked about scheduled prayer, time uh, uh, getting with God, just personally alone. But today I want to talk about prayer in the sense that I want us to, to know that God always answers our prayer. Sometimes it's just not answered the way we expect God to answer it. And so let's look at this. I, I, it's interesting because when we begin to look at this, we're going to see when Paul first had the desire to pray, and then we're going to see at, to the point of where God answers that prayer. And the thing is, H.B. Charles says this, it may seem that God did not answer prayer when, when the real issue may be we just didn't like his answer. And that is the truth. Sometimes we don't realize God already gave us the answer. We just refuse to accept the answer that he gave us. Y'all with me? Acts chapter 19, verse 21. I want you to see this. The apostle Paul. Paul was in Ephesus. And we know that, that Paul, and it says, When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia, Acacia, and to go to Jerusalem, saying, this is what he said. He said, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. Now, Paul prays this prayer. I must also see Rome. The Message Bible says it like this. It says this. He, it said, he said this. I am off to Rome. I've got to see Rome. In other words, Paul, right here, many times up leading up to this point, Paul was invited to Rome. 
But Paul, even though he, he wanted to go there, he never really had the desire or felt that God released him to go. Now, my personal opinion is, is that everything in Paul's life happened so that he could get to Rome. Rome was God Paul's purpose. Rome was God was Paul's ultimate purpose for his life. I truly believe that. I believe every missionary journey, everything that happened in Paul's life was the sole purpose of getting Paul to Rome. That is where Paul's destiny was, was to get to Rome. Everyone in this room has a destiny. Everyone in this room has a Rome. Everyone in this room has a destiny. You have a Rome for your life. There's a place that God has for you that is the perfect will of God for your life. And that perfect will of God for your life will come and God will speak it to you. But you must understand that in order to get there, you must seek God in the desire of how you need to get there. Prayer was going to take Paul through the process of desire to be in Rome to the process to get him to his destiny. Prayer is the missing element of change when it comes to the will of God for your life. Without prayer, you will struggle to find the perfect will of God for your life. Paul said, I must see Rome. I must see Rome. In other words, this is the birthing of the desire to go to Rome and to be in Rome. And as I said before, I believe Paul was being prepared for Rome. I always believed that. That this desire became a prayer. And you say, well, well, you know, I mean, and so now, not only did this desire become a desire from God, that he felt that it was God's will, now, now he began to walk as though this was part of his prayer life. Paul said, now I have more than just the desire to be at Rome. Now I'm believing for God to get me there. And Romans chapter 1 verse 10 tells us, and Paul began to pray for the will of God that he would go to Rome. Look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 10. Making request, if, that's prayer, making request, if by some means, now at last, I may find a way, now look what it says, in the will of God, in the will of God to come to you. This is Paul's letter to Rome. Now it's not a desire. Now he's praying and believing that this is the will of God for his life. And so now it goes from a desire to what he believes is the will of God for his life. He makes requests in verse 10, and he says it this way, that I may find a way by the will of God to get there, that desire, that constant prayer. In other words, one way to translate it is like this. Paul says, I want to come to you. I'm coming to you. I'm just waiting for the timing of God so that I may be able to get to you. Now, is prayer important in Paul's life? Would you, would you say that Paul is seeking God and how the desire of how he is to get to Rome and how he is to be there and how he is to get there? In other words, when we look at Acts 19.21, that's Paul's prayer card. That's Paul's prayer card. He writes the desire to be in Rome. That's his prayer card. And, and how many know that the Apostle Paul, if he sends in a prayer card, how many know it's a pretty good chance God might answer it? If you're filling out a prayer card this morning and you're sitting next to the Apostle Paul, and if I'm sitting next to him and I'm filling my prayer card, he's next to me, I think I just might give my prayer card to him and have him turn it in for me. He knew how to pray. He knew how to get in touch with God. He knew how to, how to engage with God. In other words, Paul said, I want to be there. Now, this is it. He desired to be there because he wanted to encourage the people, and he wanted to encourage the church that was at Rome. That's, his, that's, how, that's how he saw it. He thought that his desire to be in Rome, that God's will for him to be in Rome, was that that he could gather with the Roman church and encourage them as believers while he was there. And we know that he had a desire to be with them. He had a desire to be there. But we see that through prayer, God is increasing this desire and this will in his life. You know, God may speak something to you. God may speak a word to you, a direction to you. But if you never take it to prayer, it never moves from the desire to the call. And many of us are stuck on a desire and we never get to the call of God or the will of God for our life because our prayer lives never take what God speaks to us from the place of desire to a place of call. Are you all with me this morning? A praying church never gets to the will of God because we always get up and we talk about our desire. 
We talk about winning a city. We talk about doing this. We talk about the loss. We talk, but if we don't pray, if we don't pray, y'all with me, if we don't pray, God never gives the strategy in how to do that. We never know what way or what direction to go or how to turn or never know what, what God says next. It's one thing to have, listen, I believe every church has a desire to do the will of God. But not every church is willing to pray to find out what the will of God is. Are you with me this morning? It's the same way in our personal life. I have a desire for children, you know, someone would say. Well, if you never pray into it, you never get past desire. I have a desire to minister. I have a desire to do this. I have a desire to do this ministry, to do that. I feel like God has given me the desire. But if you never pray... If you never see God, it becomes the missing element of your life that never brings change. Just as the periodic table, if you remove prayer from God's purpose in your life, you never know what your purpose in life will be. I guess I beat that dead horse for a few minutes. But is that not true? How it happens is, and so how God brings this about in Paul's life is absolutely amazing. In other words, Rome was not Paul's fourth missionary journey. In fact, Paul, Paul, he didn't get there. Paul didn't like speak to him. He's here in Ephesus in Acts 19, and the Lord puts the desire in his heart. Paul didn't just go get on a plane in Ephesus and get on Delta and American Airlines, and the next couple of hours, he's in Rome. That's not how it worked. Matter of fact, that's not the fact of what happened. Instead of, of going... As, listen, and here's what's interesting. It never worked out like Paul thought it was going to work out. Matter of fact, Paul thought he was going as a preacher, but he really went as a prisoner. <laughs> Y'all with me? Acts 19, Paul thought he was going as a preacher and as a minister to Rome. He thought he was going with his title and with his label, but he went in chains and as a prisoner. <laughs> Now let that sink in a minute because, listen, your destiny will never be fulfilled until you go from worrying about having a title to being chained to the purpose of God and being chained to Christ. Paul's destiny was Rome. As as he did the missionary journeys, he was the Apostle Paul. He was learning. He did great things for God. But when it came going to Rome, he went to Rome not as the Apostle Paul. He went to Rome as a prisoner of Christ. Matter of fact, if you study, as Paul referred to himself as a bondservant to God, if you'd study out what that truly meant, what he was truly referencing when he said he was a bondservant to Christ, he wasn't just saying he was a slave. He was worse than a slave. He was a bondservant. He had no rights. He had no, he had no redeemable rights. That is what a bondservant was. No redeemable rights. Listen, when you totally give your life to Jesus. It's one thing for God to give you a desire and you to carry a title in a church or in a ministry or whatever you do. And and we've we've been addicted to titles in this age, right? Everybody's an apostle. Everybody's a prophetess. Everybody's this and everybody's that. I'm telling you right now, you, you better be a prisoner to Christ before you are anything. And so Paul went as a prisoner. He didn't go like he thought that he was desired to go. And he went, and he went as a prisoner of Christ. God answers Paul, but not how he expected it. Why? How did he get there? Even, I mean, mean, how, how even did he get there? I mean, Paul thought he was going to a green room, and he really was going to a prison room. Paul, Paul realized that the, the trial, his trial, is the answer to his prayer. In other words, his trial was the answer to his prayer. Paul went through difficult trial from Acts 22 on to the end of the chapter. Paul spent two years in constant, in constant turmoil, shipwreck, jailed. Riot after riot after riot in chains, difficulties. I mean, he calls, he go in the synagogues and calls riots. He went to Jerusalem to pay, to pay homage to four guys who were being, who were being uh, ordained. And he gets there and they think he's a terrorist. And the whole place goes bananas. And the Roman army has to go in and pull Paul out 
275 of them grab Paul and they chain him and they begin to take him. He goes into one synagogue and begins to preach Jesus and begins to tell his testimony. They go bananas on him. They go crazy and try to hurt him. And a second time, the Roman Praetorian Guard had to go in and rescue him out of that synagogue. He's shipwrecked. He's snake-bitten. He's all these things happen. And so Paul, on his journey to Rome, was not what he expected. In Acts 19, he said, I desire to come to you. It's my desire. Romans 1.10, God says, it's time for you to go, Paul. Paul was speaking, it's the will of God. But Paul did not realize that the journey was going to be much different than what he thought. And I want to encourage you this morning that God will answer your prayer, but the journey may be a lot different than the way that you think that it may be. Are you with me? I'm going somewhere. I am. Track with me. Track with me. So as I track this prayer Paul had, where is the fulfillment of this? Well, we see the fulfillment of this in just a few pages over from Romans, from Romans there. Uh, and to the left we see, or to the right, we go to, back to Philippians. And we go back to Philippians and what we see is the answer to this prayer that Paul prayed. Now Philippians is the book in chapter 4 of the scripture I just read you. This is uh, uh, Paul's prison epistle that he has written. And uh, Paul gives you information on how God answered the prayer of Romans 1.10 and how God answered the prayer, the desire of, of uh, Acts 19.21. 19.21 was the desire. Romans 1.10 was, was the call. And now we see in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12, we see the fulfillment of of Paul's answered prayer and his desire to go to Rome, we see how God answered that prayer. And I want you to see something because God never answers prayer the way we think God is going to answer prayer. And I want you to know, don't think that the trial that you're in is God turning his back on you. It's the very trial you're in that's pushing you toward the answered prayer that you've been praying for a long time. You step into that trial and say, God is going to use the winds of this trial to carry me through to the purpose of God in my life. How many want to pray? How many want to desire for God to fulfill his will in your life? You'll never get to your Rome without a prayer life. You'll never get to your desired place without a prayer life. This church will never be what God has called it to be without praying people, without interceding people, without people willing to hear the voice of God. And it's not just the desire to clothe the naked or to feed the hungry or to win the lost. There has to be a, a calling and a desire and to know what that strategy is. Okay. Well... I'm tired. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. I want you to see this. Paul's difficult season was the reality that became his answered prayer. Your difficult season may be the reality that becomes your answered prayer. Look at verse 12. This is amazing, y'all. I'm telling you, this is amazing. Verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren... That the things which have happened to me. Now Paul said, I want you to know that the trials that I just went through, the craziness that I went, just open the book of Acts chapter 22 and read to the end of it. Just read, just read everything that Paul went through. Matter of fact, there was one point Paul thought, my God, how in the world can all this happen? And the Bible said an angel appeared to Paul at night and said, Paul, I want you to know this day I stand by you. And I want you to know I'm by you, and I'm with you, and I want you to know that you must testify to Caesar in Rome. Isn't that good? How many know God always affirms his call and his word on our life? The angel showed up in the middle of trial. An answer came in the middle of trial. Am I still headed the right way, God? Am I still on the right track? God will constantly let you know that you're on the right track. This may be a season of trial, but your trial is leading you right smack in the middle of the will of God for your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can rejoice in that. Look at what he said. Know this, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Did you all hear that? 
I don't know if you heard what I've just preached the last 10 minutes. Listen, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things that have happened to me actually, actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul had the desire in Ephesus. He wanted to get on Delta Flight 5291 to to Rome, but God said, no, that's not how you're going to go. I've got a way for you to go. Paul said, well, God, you're going to have to show me. He prays in Romans 1.10. God, show me the way. God shows him the way. He's not happy with the way that God shows him, but he knows God's taking him somewhere. And now when he gets there, he is in Rome. He's in Nero's palace. He's chained between Praetorian guards, which are the elite soldiers of all the Roman Empire. He's got officials all around him, and he testifies and says, God has brought me to this place, and I want you to know that every stoning, every trial, every riot, every shipwreck has led me to this place because where I stand right now has been beneficial to the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Woo! Come on. Somebody thank God for your trial. Somebody thank God for your adversity. Somebody thank God for what you've gone through. Because Paul thought that he was just going to go down to Rome and sit in the room with some Roman Christians and encourage them. But God had bigger ideas. I said God had bigger ideas. How many know what you pray, God always has bigger ideas than what you pray? And it may not always turn out the way that you want it to or the way that you pray it to, but God is always faithful to turn it out the way that God desires it for your life. My goodness, I'm going to get happy in a minute whether you all do or not. Listen, the elite Roman guard, government officials overseeing his imprisonment are plainly Listen, they plainly recognize what's Paul saying? They, Paul said, all of these guards, all of these officials, they recognize the fact that my chains are in Christ. So now he's not just preaching to the Roman church. He's now reaching into Nero's palace. Nero, who's one of the most anti-godless leaders and rulers to ever live. Burning Christians at the stake. Burning them at the stake as light for the night to light up Rome. Nero persecuted Christians, killed Christians, destroyed Christians. His reign and palace was full of immorality and darkness, but yet Paul thought he was going to the church at Rome He thought he was going there to do Bible study, but God sent him into the palace as a prisoner and in the darkest place in the world, Paul is sharing the gospel with soldiers and officials and all that can hear the sound of his voice. Listen, you may pray one thing, but God has got something bigger for you than what you could ever imagine. Hallelujah. My chains are in Christ. My chains, a witness. Listen, he was a witness to those around. Look at verse 14. Brethren, having become confident. Listen, my brethren, verse 14 tells us, and the most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more, what did it say? Much more what? Bold to speak the word of God without what? Without fear. (laughs) Y'all with me? He didn't not only just impact the Roman guard and all the palace. The church saw Paul's love for Christ in his chains. And because of what they saw, they became more emboldened to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ in the hour of darkness and became more boldened to share Jesus than ever before because of what Paul's love for Christ while he was in chains. Oh my God, y'all get it, y'all, how powerful is that? So now those who were hiding in Rome and afraid and fearful of Nero, now through Paul, now have been strengthened by the gospel to do something that is beyond themselves and to walk and to live in boldness. (laughs) Woo! I'm telling you right now. If I was in a Pentecostal church, they'd be running the aisles right now. Why is that? 
That's powerful to me. Listen, let me tell you why that's powerful. We are living in an hour when Nero and Caesar is trying to intimidate the church. We're not in persecution because nobody's head's getting whacked off yet. And nobody's being burned in oil. And nobody's being hung. And nobody's being drugged through the streets yet, as far as we know. But the church is being intimidated. And Nero and Caesar is trying to intimidate the church. And what happens is the church needs to find a few Pauls that are willing to carry their life in chains in Christ and willing to find the will of God for their life and willing to be the prisoners of Jesus instead of those who seek labels for their own desires and self, they become prisoners to Christ to do the work of the gospel so that the brethren in the church might be stronger and might grow strengthened. I'm telling you, there's an intimidation going on. In our Bible studies on Monday night, we've been talking about intimidation and how, how, how that the purpose of intimidation is to stop the gift of God moving in your life, to lull asleep the move of God in your life. What did Paul say to Timothy? He said, Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is in you. And then he said, Timothy, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. The spirit of fear. What is fear? It's, it's timidity. It's intimidation. Paul's saying, Timmy, Timothy, don't be intimidated. Intimidation lulls the sleep, the gift that is in you. Intimidation challenges who you are in Christ. Let me tell you about intimidation. In intimidation, you lose your peace, you lose your confidence, you lose your courage, you lose endurance, you lose your heroism, you lose your security. Intimidation forces people to back off from God. But boldness causes you to step forward and you continue to see the vision God gives you you, be, you no longer are depressed, but you live in confidence, and you're no longer, you have hope where you had hopeless, where there was hopelessness before. That's why Paul said to the Galatians, he said, who has bewitched you to believe that what you began in the spirit can be fulfilled through the law? You know what Paul was dealing with? He was dealing with these Judaizers. And these, these that had came to Christ, these Jews that had given their life to Christ, and Paul was dealing with these, these Jews that came down and was telling them that gave their life to Christ, no, 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 it's not Christ. It's Christ and the law. It's Christ and the law. It's Christ and circumcision. It's Christ and the law. It's Christ and religion. It's Christ and keeping the law. Paul said, hey, 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 no, 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 no. Don't take what you began in the spirit and try to fulfill it through the works of the flesh. Religion doesn't get you anywhere. You must live by the power and the spirit of God. Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. Let the spirit of God be stirred in you. Do not give in to fear and timidity and those that try to intimidate you away from the gift that God has given you. You know what God is looking for? He's looking for boldness. Boldness comes out of the attributes of the character of God. Now, there's boldness that, are, that is arrogance. I'm telling you, there's boldness that's arrogance and there's boldness that's ignorance. And the difference is the boldness that is, that is arrogance is a boldness that when the storm comes, it can't stand because its roots are very shallow. But boldness that comes out of the character of God, out of the nature of God, Power, love, and sound mind, all of those are attributes of God's character. It's what gives us boldness. Boldness is not, boldness is not a, a, a virtue in itself, but it's the virtues of God that give us boldness. It's standing when we should stand that gives us boldness. It's love to love when no one else loves that gives us boldness. It's walking in power when no one else is walking in power that gives you boldness. And so Paul said, listen, you've got to walk in that boldness. You've got to walk in that timidity. That's what fuels the boldness of God. Hmm. That's why David was able to say things like this. The Lord is my strength. It's the strength of my life of whom I shall, am whom, and, 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 and whom shall I fear. In other words, he's saying the Lord's my strength. I fear no one. So Paul's here in Rome. Paul was in prison. He's in the palace of the guards. He's in Nero's place. 
Paul was able to go to a deep place that he never would have gone to had God not answered his prayer the normal way that he thought God was going to answer it. Paul had a, way, had a thought of how God was going to answer it. And if God answered it that way, then he felt like he was going to be okay. Now, you say why that's important. Because I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I want you to see this fulfillment. Because God just doesn't answer prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, God answers our prayer, but he just don't answer it. Matter of fact, Paul thought he was going to Rome to talk to Christians, and he ends up in the palace, and he ends up influencing more people than he ever thought that he would influence. In other words, when God answers prayer, he does more than just answer your prayer. <laughs> Woo! How many are glad God does more than just answer your prayer? God does more than just get you where you ask and request it of him. God goes beyond that. He goes further than that. You say, well, you got to prove that to me in Scripture, preacher. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Ephesians 3. This is what Paul, this is what Paul was saying. Listen, he said this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, I said now to him who is able to do exceedingly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Woo! The word means infinitely beyond our highest prayers, our highest desires, our highest thoughts, and our highest hopes and dreams. He is able to go beyond, above, above all we ask or think. He doesn't just ask our prayer, answer our prayer. We don't just get to Rome, but we get to Rome and we get to influence Nero and the palace and all that is unsaved. We get the will of God in a different way than we thought the will of God would be. Whew. Listen, you thought God was just, <laughs> oh man. Whew. Hallelujah. You know, in other words, it's bigger than I imagine. I know I got to hurry this morning. I got to give you, I got to give you, I got to give you a couple of these things. I don't know if you listen to Caleb. I mean, if you do, many of us do, every once in a while you'll see, you'll have someone come on there, a voice that comes on and does daily devotions. Matter of fact, he, they call him the Billy Graham of South America and the, American, the South American countries. He's, won, he's had more influence and won more people to Jesus in Central and South America than anyone else in the world. They call him the Billy Graham of South America. His name is Luis Palau. I don't know if you've heard his devotions on Caleb. Occasionally he's on there. Well, he's over 80 years old. He's dying with cancer. Matter of fact, he may have already passed. I'm not sure. This was uh, a few weeks ago. He was dying of cancer. But I heard a, I heard a podcast where he was interviewed uh, by a writer uh, from, from, uh, from Charisma Magazine that was asking him what was the secret of prayer in his life. And, and what was the, in the interview, they're like, what, how, how has God answered your prayer over the years? How has God answered? How, what was the ways that God answered prayers for you over the years? And Louis Pleau said this. He said, I have found that God answered my prayer, prayer in five ways over the years. And he gave these five ways in how God answers prayer. I think they're remarkable. I think you ought to write them down. I think it's good to pray into when you're praying into something. Matter of fact, he said this, number one. The way God answers prayer, number one, is that God says yes, but never thought you'd ask. <laughs> In other words, sometimes God will say yes to your prayers, and he's like, what took you so long to ask? You have not because you ask not. An unasked prayer or an unoffered prayer is an unanswered prayer. Number two, he said, or the answer could be no, I love you too much. Or three, the answer could be yes, but not yet, the timing is not right. Or four, the answer could be yes. Here's more than you ask. That's Ephesians 20. And then my favorite is number five, is yes, but differently than you thought that it would be. <laughs> now, that's, that's a great, now, I mean, that's good. Because sometimes God does say yes, but the timing's not right. 
Sometimes God does say yes, and it ends up being more than what, than what you think it should be. Sometimes God says yes, but definitely more than you thought or differently than what you thought. Sometimes God says, no, I love you too much. I mean, that's powerful right there. It's powerful prayer. But I want you to know this. I want to leave this with you this morning. These couple of things. One is pray and don't script your prayer. Don't script it. Pray and don't script it. And you say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? This is what I mean. You can't tell God how to do his job. <laughs> pray, but don't script it. Pray, but don't tell God how he's going to answer it. Pray, but don't tell God how he is to do the job. And wait. Listen, God knows you better than you know him. You can't, you can't script God. Let me tell you this true story. It's amazing. It blew my mind. I love this story. I'm telling you, before I tell you, I want you to know this is a true story. This is real. This really happened. There's a lady who was in the Northwest. She's a rock climber. She went out with some friends to climb the face of a rock out in the Northwest, and she's climbing the rock, and as she's climbing, she's climbing to the top, and all of a sudden, a rope snaps and smacks her in the face. When it hits her in the face, it knocks her contacts out, or knocks a contact out. And she loses a contact. And so she can barely see. And so she, her eyes are blurry. She can barely climb. She looks, she reaches around trying to hope that that contact had fell on the, on the side of the rock or something. And she can't find it. And she knows she's in trouble because she can't see well. So she calls to her fellow climbers and said, hey, can you guys come and help me? And they got down and they got her to the top. And they got her to the top. And she says, and, and she gets to the top. She says, God I can't lose those contacts. I don't have any more money to buy another contact. God, where was that contact? I don't know this is a tough prayer, God. But if you could find that contact for me, that would be great. Have you all ever lost something and prayed that God would show you where it is? I've lost keys. No, I really, just now, like a month ago, I lost keys. And I've been praying for a month that God would show me where they are. So you pray with me, would you? Lord, call them keys back to remembrance again. And if somebody stole it, make them sick till they give them back to me. No, I'm just, nobody would steal my keys. So, so, so she, she climbs, they do the rest of the climb, and she's blurry, she can't see. And, and, and she says, and so on their way back down the mountain, they're on, back down on the mountain, all of a sudden a new group of climbers are going up as they're coming down. And as they're going down, there's this guy, he says, hey! Any of y'all lose a contact? And she says, I did, I did. She said the funniest, he said the funniest thing. I'm climbing and there's an ant, a huge ant walking across the concrete and a contact is on top of the ants. <laughs> and he said... And it was so funny, she told her dad the story, who's a, who's a, who's a professional cartoonist, and he wrote, he, he drew the cartoon of an ant carrying a contact, and this is what it said, it had the caption, it said, Lord, I don't know why you want me to carry this thing, I can't eat it, and it's very heavy, but I'm going to do what you ask me to do, because I want to be in the will of God. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Listen, the same God that can carry a contact can take control of your life and lead you and guide you to where you need to be. Don't pray, but don't script it. Hallelujah. Number two, God answers, comes in squiggly lines, not straight ones. <laughs> it comes in squiggly lines and not straight ones. When Paul prayed that prayer in Acts 19, that was 54 A.D., when Paul wrote this in Philippians, that was 62 A.D. Eight years after his first desire to go to Rome, God gets him there. Now, isn't that funny? Because Paul just didn't get the desire in Ephesus and, as I said, get on a plane and go to Rome. Matter of fact, Paul went from Ephesus to Macedonia to Greece to Jerusalem and prison to Caesarea before, before Felix and before 
Felix and the other judge, I can't remember his name, right? And, and he went to, and he was shipwrecked in Malta before he ever got to Rome. In other words, Paul didn't just go straight to Rome. Matter of fact, if you have that picture up there, throw it up there. Listen, this is the route that Paul took. Paul went from, he went from Ephesus, he went from Ephesus, he went to, he went to Macedonia, then to Greece. Now, you can't see it very well. But you see, Paul went from Ephesus, he went north to Macedonia, he went back south to Greece, he went from Greece all the way to to, uh, Jerusalem, then he went north again to Caesarea, and where he was in prison there, he went from Caesarea all the way over and was shipwrecked in Malta, he went from Malta, and he went and he landed and he traveled to Rome. In other words, God spoke to him in Ephesus. But do you see the journey that Paul took before he got to Rome? In other words, sometimes our prayers are like squiggly lines. And you say, well, why did God have to do that in Paul's life? Because everything that led up to Rome was God's preparation for Paul in Rome. You say, well, why was that important? Because I'll tell you, in Ephesus, what did Paul learn? Paul learned the power of the Holy Spirit and the power to depend on the Holy Spirit and to change a city. In Macedonia, Paul learned the power of prayer and the power of worship. It was was at there when he was in prison that an earthquake came and the prison doors opened. He learned the power of prayer and worship. In Greece, he learned how to argue or he learned how to be an apologist and reason for those who have unbelief toward God. In Jerusalem, there was a bogus trial. He He was put on chains in Jerusalem. He went to Caesarea before Felix and Agrippa in Caesarea. He stood before ungodly men. Then he went to Malta. He was snake-bitten and shipwrecked. Isn't that amazing? And so what did Paul learn? Paul learned the power of the Holy Spirit. He learned how to witness to those who were intellectual. He learned that no serpent nor disease can latch onto him and have victory over him. He learned that God opens prisons and God answers prayer and worship. He learned that Christ is his answer and that he's in chains to Christ. He learned, listen, God will take your prayer life and you will have squiggly lines in everything that you do until you get to the perfect will of God. Did y'all get that? God's will is not always straight. God's will is not always directly there. Pastor Adam, if you'll come. I'm just amazed. Eight years. Eight years, and it ended up better than he imagined. Eight years. And he learned more on the way to Rome than he did in Rome. Come on, God. Listen, God has a perfect will for your life. And you're on your way to Rome, and you're, 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 your prayers are the squiggly prayers right now. You, you're going here, and you're going there, and you have no idea where God's going to end you up. And he's taking you, and he's teaching you. He's teaching you how to pray. He's teaching you how to worship. He's teaching you how to live for God on your job. He's teaching you how to pray for your family. He's teaching you how to witness and be an apologist. He's teaching you that no disease or no harm can come to you if you put your faith and trust in God. He's teaching you the power of the Holy Spirit. Of the work, the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And when you get there, it's going to be better than you imagined it to be. When God answers your prayer, it's going to be better than you imagined your prayer to be answered. God does it in funny ways. It's never the way we think. Corey Ten Boone in The Hiding Place, he talks about being at Raven's Book, Brook Concentration Camp. And as a Christian, she had desired to share Jesus with her fellow Jews. And she didn't know how. She prayed to God and said, God, is there a way we could have a Bible study? Concentration camp. Nazi concentration camp. Corey Tin Boone is, is talking about having a Bible study that she could share Jesus while she's in the concentration camp. And so she's like, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. And then all of a sudden, the barracks she was in with all of the people she was in got fleas. The place got infected with fleas. And fleas was everywhere. I mean, all over them all. But here's what happened. Because the fleas were there, the guards wouldn't come into the barracks. The Nazi guards stayed away from it. 
They yelled and put their food out like that and they would not go in because they didn't want to get fleas. And guess what she did? The whole time, she had a Bible study and shared Jesus. And here, at first, she thought the fleas were from Satan and really, the fleas were to keep the guards away so that she could preach the gospel to those that were in, in there with her. Listen, don't underestimate God, what God can do with your fleas. God's fleas may just be his way of blessing your life to another level. Huh? Woo! Six stops in all. Six stops Paul had. Stand with me if you would. Number three, when you see your pain, you're closer than you ever thought you'd be. Elizabeth Elliot said it this way. She said, the will of God is never exactly what you expect it to be. It may seem to be too much, be much worse. But in the end, it's going to be a lot better and a lot bigger. That's Elizabeth Elliot who lost her husband to the Indians. That's why Paul was able to say in Philippians 1.12, I'm not hindered. Matter of fact, this gospel is expanding and spreading, he said. In the house of my enemies, and Nero's palace, your greatest ministry may come out of your greatest hurt. The greatest ministry you have may come out of your greatest pain and out of your greatest hurt. may come out of your greatest struggle. God uses painful moments to enlarge your answer to prayer. Truth is, this morning prayer is the element, the missing element of change in our life. It may not always be what you think it is, but I want to challenge you this morning. If you have a prayer need this morning, you've been praying about it for a long time, I'm going to break, I'm going to break off the fear and I'm going to break off the unbelief and I'm going to break off the hindrances that keep from that prayer happening. And when, we come, and when you come down here, actually, just come on down. If you have a prayer request to God you've been praying for, someone you've been praying for, an answer to prayer, an answer to a need, a desire to know God's will and purpose for your life, to know, I want you to step out of where you are and come down. Because when you come down here, we're going to pray this morning, and this is what we're going to pray. We're going to pray that you pray and let God script it. Don't you script it. You pray, let God script it. We're going to learn that sometimes God answers prayer in squiggly lines. You're not going to leave out of here and go get on Delta Flight 2300 and end up at the answer of your prayer. Sometimes you've got to go through some things in order to get to the answer of your prayer. And at this moment, if your prayer need is at its greatest pain, it means you're closer than you've ever been. If your struggle is at its greatest point, or it's almost unbearable, I'm telling you, you're right next to breakthrough. Where you are. Now I'm going to wait a minute, because I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And some of you, there's still others that need to come because there's things that you've prayed for for years that God's not answered yet, but he's wanting to answer. And listen, just as that skit showed, fear, fear, fear no longer has a hold on you. We're not giving in to fear. As Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, God's not giving you a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. We're breaking timidity and intimidation off of your life. Some of you haven't done the will of God because you've been intimidated. You've been fearful. You've been intimidated. You, you felt intimidated. You don't break that off of you today. We're going to break that spirit of fear off of you today. We're going to break that spirit of fear off of you today. Why? Because God answers prayer. I said God answers prayer.
when he answers it, you're not going to be wearing a label. You're going to be a prisoner to him. And some of you need to move from just praying to being a prisoner to Christ. Hallelujah. Now as Pastor Adam plays a verse and sings here, I'm going to give you more time to come. There's more that need to come. I said there's more that needs to come. Quit playing games. Come. I know there are more people. Listen, I get more prayer requests from you. I know y'all have answered prayer, unanswered prayer. You want to trust God. Come. If you've never given Jesus your life, you've never trusted Christ, today's the day of atonement. Today's the day that the blood of Jesus is applied. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. No better day than today than to get saved. Give your life to Jesus. Say yes to Christ. Become, become a bondservant of Him. It's not easy. It's not easy. Living for God's not easy. But it's the greatest reward we could ever get. It's to live for God. It's to live for God. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to come this morning. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.